This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. The topic of today's uh, episode is going to be about how modern terms should not be used in traditional Catholic theology. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, 
all that I have and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. So, as I said in an earlier episode, I've kind of covered this already in my original podcast. But since my, um, my analytics are not the best, I cannot tell if I'm getting any crossover between my two podcast channels. So sometimes, for my regular listeners... Just a reminder that I'm going to have to go back to subjects I may have already covered for the benefit of those who may not have heard that particular topic. Now, having said my disclaimer, I am going to say that um, this, is, this is aimed mainly at set of contest. Although I'm hoping that Protestants and Neo-Catholics uh, get the point and rethink their position on this. So, let's get started. In the neo-Catholic, um, neo-traditionalist uh, Catholic sphere, and even in the Protestant sphere, and before I go any further, just a gentle reminder, I'm a former Protestant, and I'm, I'm a former Vatican II sect member, so I'm not talking out my butt, take it for what it's worth. Um... When I was a Protestant and when I was with the Vatican II sect, there, there was, and I really find this telling to you Neo-Catholics and you Neo-Trads out there who, who want nothing to do with Protestantism. I want you to think about this. That the, that the terms of conservative Catholic and liberal Catholic the Protestants, you know, even before the early 2000s, were using the term conservative Protestant and liberal Protestant. Now, for those of you who may not have caught my earlier uh, podcast on this topic, what it basically boils down to is what they, cons- what they call... And for the sake of ease, when I say the words conservative of liberal, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about the general terms. And they apply even to set of a contest. Because as I said in my earlier broadcast, when I hear set of a contest clergy and prelates, never mind the actual the actual layman use this use these terms i want to bash my head into into a wall because even even if they're using these terms to kind of 
you know, reach the people who um, may be unaware that these are political Masonic terms, it muddies the waters. When you use these terms, it muddies the waters. Because whether you know it or not, you are subtly saying that to use the term uh, conservative and liberal in theology, that this is okay, this is acceptable. It may not be what you intend to do, but it definitely, you know, you're, whether you know it or not, you're, you're giving your stamp of approval to this. Anyhow, so, and since Vatican II is basically Protestant in, you know, for any new Vatican II listeners I may get, um, I'm going to s explain what I'm talking about. To even the Vatican II people, they're basically Protestants who don't even know it. So, when I, um, when I talk about this phenomena of uh, conservative and liberal, as I said earlier, it applies, you know, to everyone. But generally, when you hear the term conservative, what it means is, is that well, you're conservative. Uh, you're in, in in the case of the neo-Catholics, it means you're traditionally minded, and in the case of the Protestants, it just means that you're. Uh, you 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 have the the fundamental um, theology of Protestantism. In other words, um, the fundamental truths of the Protestant faith. Now, oh, and you're political. You're you're politically conservative, if you want to use that term. And in the case of liberal, it, it means that in the case of Protestants, um, that you're not, you're um, outside of the fundamentalist belief system of the Protestant, um, Protestant theology. And obviously, you're liberal um, politically. Now, there are a lot of reasons why I objected these terms. So, as best as I can, because I'm not the most eloquent or systematic of speakers, I'm going to try to explain as best as I can my issues with these. Number one. It's a broad brush term. Within the Protestant and Neo-Catholic sects, because, at least in the case of Protestants, there's no objective, 
There's no objective truth to Protestant theology, as I never get tired of saying ad nauseum. Talk to 10 different Protestants, you'll get 10 different answers to the same question. So, along those lines, you will get Protestants who may be fundamentally uh, what is known in the Protestant sects as fundamentalists, but they may be liberal politically. And vice versa. You might get a um, liberal Protestant who may be um, liberal um, in, in uh, Protestant theology, but very conservative in their political beliefs. Now, if this sounds like a, a counterintuitive statement, it really isn't. Um, once again, when you get, when you go from the objective to the subjective, you're subject to the whims of subjectivism. And to use the terms political and conservative, it's very much a broad brush. Because it, you know, like I said, with Protestant, Protestantism and Vatican, uh, Vatican II sects, sect um those neat and handy little labels really don't work which is why I also stress ad nauseum to try to get to know people um and try not to use um broad brushes you can speak in generalities I do it but um Try not to to speak in broad brush. And for those of you guys who may not be aware, a generality is when you say a statement, but you're not saying, oh, everybody is like this. You're not saying that. You're just saying, in general, people are like this. Whereas a broad brush, you're saying, yeah, everybody's like this. It applies to everyone. So... That's one of my objections. My second objection is, and I've been arguing this, I've been banging my head, not just with the Vatican II sect members, but also with Sedvacantis. Masonic political terms have no uh, reason to be used when you're talking in matter of Catholic theology. The term conservative and liberal, these are political terms. The proper theological terms, if you're dealing with God's truth as he has revealed them, is orthodox and unorthodox. For those of you who may not be aware, orthodox means that you fall, that, 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 that you um, are in agreement with and living the um, pre-Vatican II Catholic dogma or pre-Vatican II Council Catholic dogma. Unorthodox means 
that you're you you don't believe those dogmas not fully for my autistic friends out there not fully that you're basically picking and choosing and that you're not definitely not living it in your day-to-day existence and in case I need to remind people of this fact I'm speaking in generalities I promise you I'm not using a bra brush I'm not saying everybody's just this way I'm saying this is just you know a lot of people are this way but I, I very much have an issue with the terms political I'm sorry conservatism and liberalism because as I said earlier it muddies the waters and you said vacantists out there not all of you not all of you you need to understand that when you are using theological terms from the pre-Vatican II Council Catholicism those terms are precise those terms are very precise and for the most part they're very simple and so I challenge anyone who listens to this episode who's, who considers themselves Catholic to read anything written prior to the Vatican II Council and see if they can come up with any instances where any Catholic theologian uses the term liberal and conservative to describe orthodox or unorthodox. And just for added clarification, for those of you Catholics who may not understand the terms orthodox and unorthodox, I'm I'm just going to bottom line it. I'm going to bottom line it. Orthodox means to um to be um a true believer and a true follower of Catholic dogma and theology. Unorthodox means you're basically a heretic. Because anyone who's read a pre-Vatican II Council catechism knows you cannot pick and choose what you believe and what you don't. Either you adhere to what is printed or what is taught by the pre-Vatican II uh, Council Catholic Church or you don't. Now, Catholicism is a subtle religion. It's not black and white. However, when it comes to the dogma, when it comes to the theology, it is very much black and white. But ever since the Masons had started infiltrating the Catholic Church after the Protestant Reformation, um, the traitors within the true Catholic Church started muddying the waters when it came to theology. And they tried to introduce gradations of belief. Like I said, anybody who's read 
the Catechism, anyone who knows the pre-Vatican II Council, Catholic theology knows there are no gradations. Either you believe totally and utterly what the Catholic Church teaches, or you don't. If you stray from that, you are not a Catholic. That, that's the bottom line. That's why I get annoyed. As I said earlier, Catholic theological terms are very precise. They're very precise. And where there, where there may be some subtlety in certain issues, when it comes to belief, you either believe everything and if you deviate from anything at all, you are a heretic. It does not matter. Your, your intentions don't matter. Your, um, your beliefs don't matter. None of, n- none of that stuff matters. Now, just to mention something. Bishop Sanborn who runs the Set of Contest Seminary down in Brooksville, Florida, on the True the Set of Contest podcast, um, True Restoration Radio, and the, uh, the name of the um, series was called Root of the Rot. And it basically was an overview of Catholic history from the time that rebellion from the Catholic Church started creeping in its head to modern era, was talking about how he had a section called the Pendulating Papacy. I'm going to try to explain this as briefly as I can and as simply as I can. When he says the words Pendulating Papacy... For the um, Vatican II sect members, it just means you had quote-unquote liberal popes and then you had quote-unquote conservative popes. So it it kept switching back and forth. Okay? Now... He was talking about in the 1700s how in the um, in the College of Cardinals you had what were known as he used two Italian terms honestly I can't remember what they both are so I'm just going to translate them into English he, he, he said you had the zealous faction of cardinals which said no we're not we're not making a truce with with um, with the world around us we are going to stick to traditional Catholicism and then uh, you had another set of cardinals who I forget what the term he used was, but basically they were like, "Well, we need to make a con- we need to accommodate the church to to modern circumstances." 
you know, what we taught prior to the Reformation is all well and good, but these are different times and we need to adjust our approach. Now, anyone who even considers themselves a traditionalist Catholic should understand the problems here. And we're talking the 1700s, not more than almost 200 years removed from the Protestant revolt. Those cardinals should have been ran out on a rail for expressing such a heresy. But for whatever reason, it has to be God's providence. I'm, I'm a firm believer in God's providence. So it had to be God's providence in there. But, and, you know, some people can argue, well, it's, it's easy with the benefit of uh, 400 years of hindsight to, to critique, you know, the 1700s Catholic Church. I don't, I don't view it as the benefit of hindsight. Now, outside of the realm of God's providence, meaning this split was allowed to occur by God's divine providence within the true Catholic Church, outside of that I'm speaking now, it should have never have happened. It should have, and it, you know, I, I, honestly speaking, those prelates back in the 1700s that allowed that split to occur are going to have to answer to God for that. Because on a fundamental basis, I just explained to you, you either accept the Catholic dogma and doctrine or you don't. And I can very much tell you that the whole reason that you have the set of a contest movement is that Vatican II is the log logical culmination of those cardinals from the 1700s who said, well, we need to make accommodations to the modern world. We need to accommodate them. We need to indulge them. Otherwise, if this was an acceptable theological position, we wouldn't have Sedevacantism. You wouldn't. Think about it. Use your critical thinking skills. If this theological position was acceptable, then the guys who are right now Sedevacantists, um would not be saying that Vatican II is a heresy. Or maybe they might because obviously a lot of what they do is outside of Catholic dogma and tradition. But the simplest way that I can put this is the biggest heresy of Vatican II Council is, is that it said we must accommodate the church which is supposed to be objectively true, never changing to the modern world. Everything else that comes after that are just branches from the root 
of the actual main heresy, which is accommodation to the modern world. And, you know, like I said, it's not just the neo-Catholics and the neo-traditionalists and a certain segment of Sedevacantists who fall in this era. As I said before, Protestants have been talking about conservative and liberal since at least probably the 50s. But this episode is not necessarily aimed at them. Because Protestantism being a heresy in and of itself, it does not surprise me that they would use political terms to describe a theological position. And since, thank you Lord Jesus and Mother Mary, and since if you're not Orthodox, you you're an heir, Protestant theology, there is no Orthodox Protestant. It's a heresy, bottom line. Um, this next part's going to be aimed at the Vatican II sect members and the uh, neo-traditionalists. If you agree with me, that orthodoxy means that you are actually Catholic and orthodoxy means that you are actually a heretic. Then you, um, you neo-Catholics and you neo-traditionalists who run around saying, Well, let me put it to you this way. If you acknowledge Vatican II as a legitimate council and you um and and you um consider everything that came out of Vatican II as um orthodox and the popes and the, the priests and stuff as orthodox, I don't care if you're the most quote-unquote, rad shred, St. Pius X, St. Pius V Society, uh, the priestly fraternity of St. Peter member, and you go to your based and red-pilled Latin mass, and, you know, you do your rosary, and da-da-da-da-da. And by the way, if you're doing the, you know, you could skip the luminous rosary, but if you're the, uh, the luminous mysteries of the rosary... Hate to tell you guys, if you acknowledge John Paul as a legitimate pope, you can skip it all you want to. I mean, yes, the luminous mystery is in air, but if you're, if you, you know, <laughs> if you're, uh, if you consider Mr. Watia an actual pope, then you're basically disobeying a pope, your pope. Now, but the bottom line is, is if you accept Vatican II as a legitimate council, if you accept the things that came out of the Vatican II council and the popes that came out of it as legitimate, as orthodox, I'm just going to be flat. You are a heretic. You are a heretic. 
Therefore, you are not traditionalist. You are not conservative. You are a heretic. That's it. There's, there's no argument. There's no argument to be had. There's literally no argument to be had. And I've already covered ad nauseum, you know, the, um, the principal heirs of Vatican II, of heresies, I should say. They're not heirs. Heirs is a mistaken belief. Heresies is... <laughs> is uh, breaking with uh, pre-Vatican II Catholic theology and dogma. But yeah, so... You know, I, I don't care... You know, if, if you're not, the, the bottom line comes to this. If you acknowledge Vatican II is a legitimate council, you are a heretic. And once again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. It does not matter what your intentions are. It does not even matter, according to Catholic dogma and theology, if you're doing this out of ignorance. Because part of Catholic dogma and theology is you are supposed to know what you believe. Well, I'm sorry. Not only you're supposed to know not only what you should know and believe, but also um, what is being given to you, whether it's heretical or not. And the reason why in my last episode yesterday I said that the Vatican II sect members should know better is because the, the blasphemies, sacrileges that occur in that sect on a daily basis um, they're, they're, they're not private. They're not private. So that goes back once again to um, your intentions. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to go wherever the, the truth leads you. And if you are following pre-Vatican II Catholic dogma and theology and you have the right, uh, the right relationship with God, His Blessed Mother and the Heavenly Kingdom... You know, I could promise you that you will not be led astray. You will not be led astray. But um, your intentions don't matter. Your, um, your state of mind does not matter. You know, if you're if you're ignoring blatant heresies and blasphemies and sacrileges, and it doesn't matter what your reasoning is, it doesn't. God's not going to ask you. Well, Mister Smith, what, 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 what exactly were your? Not that he wouldn't already know, but let's just say he condescended to ask you. 
What were your reasons? Why did you do this? Blah, 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 blah. He's not going to ask you that. He's going to say, you saw sacrilegious blasphemies and heresies committed and you ignored them. Anyway, just to make sure I make my point um, of the of the original topic, that political terms have absolutely no business being used in um, pre-Vatican II the- theology. And before before I close. Uh, get to that, I, I want to say one more thing to my autistic set of a contest set, set. Not all of them, a certain segment. When I was on Twitter, I actually had a set of a contest berate me because on my thread, I he accused me of using modernist verbiage. Now, never mind the fact that I don't care how quote-unquote hardcore you are of a set of a contest, you are a product of your society and your culture, which the default setting is modernist. I don't care if you have a shrine to Pope Pius X. You are a modernist. Now, because individual people are subjective, the the gradations of modernism depend on the person in question. But even St. Pope Pius X, and you can get mad at me all you want to, you autists, in his own way was a product of his culture and society. Now having given uh, his um, his background and what he taught, I would say that, you know, he was a minimal modernist. But the mere fact that within the Vatican at that time, you had um, cardinals who wanted to make um, accommodations to the world, and they were known as modernists, and the traditionalists, this, this thing in and of itself is modernism. Just read before the Catholic, or I'm sorry, before the Protestant revolt, the church was literally united. You didn't have, uh, you might have had political factions, a faction, and when I say political, I'm just talking about uh, bureaucratic infighting. So you might have had a faction that supported Cardinal A and a faction that supported Cardinal B or a faction that uh, uh, supported, let's just say, Pope Alexander VI 
against the other faction that didn't support him, but they were united in purpose. In other words, they, they would use their bureaucratic infighting to try to advance their own agendas, but their agendas were the same, which was the expansion and the strengthening, the one, you know, Kath, uh, Jesus Christ's um, revealed church on earth, his revealed truth. Now, I realize that sounded kind of garbled and um, disjointed. I hope and pray that those of you who, some of you will be able to get what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, the very same set of Akantis who criticized me for using modern verbiage, verbiage is just a 10 cent word for way of speaking, or vocabulary. Um, some of these people are the very same people who use the terms when it comes to Catholic, pre-Vatican II Catholic theology, liberal and conservative. And their cognitive dissonance, their lack of critical thinking skills is so deep they don't even see, they don't even see the irony of what they're doing. They don't even see the irony of what they're doing. And as I said earlier, my toleration for people who lack critical thinking skills or have cognitive dissidence is not very high. I'm hoping the Lord, if it is His will, will help give me the patience to deal with it. As of right now, though, I don't want to deal with these type of people. If you do not know how to critically think, if you do not know, um, if, if you... And by the way, part of having critical thinking skills is part of um, understanding the beliefs that you may hold inside yourself that are cognitive dissident. And cognitive dissidence is a 10 cent word uh, meaning that the beliefs that you hold are not supported by the truths that are in reality. And um, thank you, Lord Jesus and Mother Mary. That reminds me, I use the term cognitive dissidence and the set of a contest, autist in question who accused me of using modernist verbiage took me to task for using the term cognitive dissidence or dissonance <laughs> now <laughs> like I said I, I'm not going to belabor the point you know I, I've covered for the past five minutes why that kind of uh, autism you know I, I don't have the patience for it so in closing 
If you consider yourself a true Catholic, and by true Catholic or serious Catholic, I mean a Catholic who does not recognize the Vatican II Council as legitimate, I, I, I would give you this advice, and you take it for what it's worth. Instead of getting butt-mad at people like me who use the term cognitive dissonance, which I don't care what you think, it, perfect, it perfectly encapsulates the way modern people think. It perfectly encapsulates. Instead of getting butt-hurt about that, my advice would be try not to use political terms when it comes to pre-Vatican II Catholic theology and dogma, which is precise. And, and just to close out, political terms are nebulous. They're subjective. And they're meant purposely to be like that. This is not an accident. This is not a coincidence. Political terms such as liberal, conservative, um, moderate, libertarian, progressive, blah, 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 are subjective. They are not precise. It can be no other way because you are talking about something that has nothing to do with God. So I'm going to close out. I want to really thank and bless you guys um, for giving me 40 minutes of your time. I really appreciate it. Take this for what it's worth. I do care about you. And I pray for everyone. And I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time and patience. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.
du bist.